Hello, everyone. Welcome to another episode of One for the Table. Uh, I'm John Kong. Host, That's not featuring your host, okay, John Kong, <laughs> <laughs> and Kim Chi. John is very um, excited to get his name out there today. Usually, we do the intro like "Hello, everyone. Welcome to another episode of One for the Table." And then I will say, "I'm John Kung," and then you say, "I'm and I'm Kim Chi," and then we would like get on to talking about it. We just you just flipped or, up the format or, a little just bit. Just want to keep the um, format new and fresh. Fresh. <laughs> <laughs> but anyways, um, so good to see you and just some giant fly just like flying all over your um face right now i know okay so there are a lot of flies in my house right now because today's garbage because you day have a dead body in there yes yes it is it's actually me i'm i'm the dead body we haven't um, heard from your partner in a while uh he's in texas i was wondering why you want to purchase a giant meat freezer <laughs> <laughs> because everyone needs a giant freezer that has nothing to do with the fact that i've not seen my boyfriend and no one's seen my boyfriend for like a week and a half I've also been with um, you, so you're my I'm alibi. Just like a wellness check, your partner. He's he's not here. He no, he really is in. He is in Texas right now. He actually gets in today, and I'm very excited to see him. But then he leaves again on Monday. Oh, he travels boo. a lot. Yeah. Anyway, so there are a lot of flies in my house because today is trash day, and there were dumpsters in front of my house. And also, somebody came in to fix the doors and had to take the front doors down, so they all flew inside. And they're enormous, and they're flying all over the screen. This is not a video podcast, but if it was, it would be embarrassing. There's one right now. I've named this it's one Thomas. It is, they're so big. Like, and... that you can see them in the video. Like, clearly. Yeah, it's, it's, it's concerning. It's concerning. And, and, of course, Boba's running around trying to eat them all because she thinks they are sky raisins. Anyways... Never mind that. How are you? I miss you. Oh, I wish I could say the same. I'm yeah, kidding. I miss I guess you I too. I miss you too. <laughs> and I miss butter. I you, you don't oh, butter's guess. Doing good. The butter's, butter's good. Doing good. Does butter miss me? I don't know if his brain is capable of like yeah. thinking like beyond what's happening that day. Yeah, and, and that's we love that about butter. He's just grumbles and vibes. Just grumbles and it's like, oh, you're here. Now you will pet me. Yes. Yes. Here's my butt. Pat mm-hmm. it, please. Um, yeah. What's been going on? How have you been? I did find a flea on butter this morning. A flea? Yeah. How? But And I was like petting him and then I saw like a tiny brown dot and it quickly disappeared. And I'm like, wait, what was that? And um... then... And then I was like looking around and I saw like the flea like on my couch and I quickly killed it. Mm-hmm. So I ordered um, flea medicine, all this like flea stuff. Before Isn't, like. Doesn't butter have preventative stuff? Well, he doesn't. Yeah. Really yeah. No, he does have preventative stuff, but it's been over, it's been a couple months now. So okay. I forgot to those um, things, give him his. Those things are generally medicine. good. Everything. Well, there's a really good one unsponsored, but like there's the one that I put my dogs on. It's either called NextGuard or something else, but it's like one where you only have to do it once every like six months. Oh, that's nice. Yeah, 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 yeah. I don't think NextGuard. I think it's just they're just like tablets that you feed them once a month, and then there's this other one that I put them on recently that it's like once every six months. It's very nice. Um, okay. And it's flea and tick. Yeah. So, especially if Butter goes to Diana's place a lot and, like, is around, like, grass and stuff, like, yeah, you should get around that. Okay. Mm-hmm. Well, um, so that's happening. <laughs> <laughs> and, uh, oh, so, before John left um, on Monday, on Sunday, we went to, uh, or I went to. <laughs> you went to. I was there. Uh, like a benefit dinner that John was cooking at. Mm-hmm. Yeah, um, it was. Tell the audience about what the dinner was about and what you cooked. Sure. So it was a benefit dinner for um, something called the Big Queer Food Festival, which hopefully, after the success of the benefit and future fundraising efforts, will be in Los Angeles. I think Los Angeles next year sometime 
and mm-hmm. it will be a food festival that features queer people in the food and beverage industry. And there are a lot of us in every aspect of it. So uh, it makes total sense that we would have something like this in LA. And I was so happy to be a part of it. Um, I cooked two courses out of the six courses that were there. Um, they were on the lighter and easier side. So there were there were features like um, a big pork roulade, um, a polenta that was absolutely delicious. Um, there were a lot of past apps. And I did something simple because I came in from out of town and I really didn't know the kitchen that we were going to be in. And I didn't want to like do anything that was too like demanding technologically, I guess. So I did a soup and a salad. And the so salad that I... said, we'd be like, you didn't try hard enough. You're a chef. I know. But I'm also I'm like, kidding, I'm kidding, I'm painting. Well, I, I don't care. I'm, I'll say it right now. Like, I'm retired. <laughs> no, no, no. The I still cook. That makes sense because um, the other courses were very like rich, and your courses were very like refreshing. So it definitely needed that. Yeah, I definitely so wanted to do. Like, oh, oh, sorry. Oh, go ahead. No, no, no. I would rather hear you talk about it. I guess I'll take in the journey from my point of view. Yes, please do. <laughs> it was held at this restaurant called Tommy's, which I've like never been. Um, it was in Beverly Hills, swanky. <laughs> mm-hmm. It's in the second floor, beautiful view, beautiful venue. Um, and then, um, all the seats were like prearranged for us. Mm-hmm. So then we all sat down. And when I first sat down, I kind of had like a little like anxiety moment because um, everybody that was like sitting at my table and like all around me were all like beautiful looking, successful like white gays. They were like all friends with each other, and they all knew each other. So like. I like wonder like oh my god I don't belong here like what am I doing here? Mm. <laughs> um, but then um, everybody in the table was actually like really nice, and then we started talking, and I actually ended up having a fun time. So I guess don't judge a um, beautiful looking white gay by his cover. There is more to them than just some um, their beautiful facade. <laughs> <laughs> okay. <laughs> Um, Not you being an advocate for, like, buff cis gay white men. I'm not being an advocate. I'm just saying... um, (laughs) They're people just like us. No, I feel like they're always, like... um, They're always, like... um, Like, the punchline to, you know, a lot of, like, our comedy. Yeah. (laughs) No, I get it. They are are oftentimes the punchline to, to, like, the things that we joke about. Deservingly. But, you know... They can be nice too. So, um, first, they brought like a giant skillet um, mm-hmm. full of these like focaccia bread. Um, and they were served, they were cut into like very like rustic sizes. They were like huge. And I'm like, oh my God, one slice of focaccia could feed like a family of four. <laughs> yeah. And I love, I love that it was presented in a skillet. I love anything that is brought out in a skillet. I have a couple of recipes mm-hmm. in my book that are served in skillets. And I just think the presentation is just, it's its homey, it's rustic, as you said, but it's also like super practical because it leaves you with one less dish to wash. Yeah. And you can just bring it straight from the oven onto like a trivet onto the table and it looks beautiful. Um, yeah. There's something really nice about that presentation. And that focaccia was good. Yeah, focaccia was good. Um, it was like one of those like crumbly focaccia. Because mm-hmm. um, some focaccia, like you taste it and it tastes really oily. Yeah. Um, but this was like a nice crumbly focaccia with like a little sea salt on top and like rosemary flavored infused throughout. And I was like, all right, I can get done with this focaccia. And then <laughs> the first course was John's salad. He called it a gay salad, which I could tell us about the gay salad. <laughs> The gay salad. Um, they were asking for names for my courses because originally it was called like a little gym salad with rainbow roots. Um, and they were like, and they were like, oh, you know, the people were coming up with really clever names with their things. And I really couldn't think of anything to describe this salad except that it was gay and it was a gay salad. Um, and it was served with uh, a new salad dressing that I had been experimenting with. So the salad dressing that I came up with was a Negroni vinaigrette and in there had all the components of a Negroni, which was Campari and sweet vermouth, a little bit of orange juice um, for the sweetness of the salad dressing, as well as 
vinegar, in this case, champagne vinegar, because I wanted to make it kind of like a Negroni Spagliato uh, vinaigrette, and of course, olive oil. And that was mixed together and drizzled on top of the salad. And the reason why I wanted to make it a Negroni Spagliato vinaigrette was because of that TikTok between, oh, I can actually look up, oh, this is great, because I can actually look up the actor's name. It was like the viral clip of like, oh, Negroni Spagliato with Prosecco. Yeah. Emma Darcy. Uh, so Emma Darcy is an actor in the House of Dragons show. They are mm-hmm. non-binary and like, in my opinion, like really super handsome. And so the way that they said it was just so like sexy to me that it made me had a little bit of a, like a pansexual panic. So that was the reason why I feel like that was like the queerest thing that had happened to me all year. And so I definitely made a salad dressing in honor of that. Nice. A Negroni Spagliato with Prosecco. Prosecco. Mm, it's so good. I get tingles. <laughs> that is like such like a random clip to go viral from like that show too. I know, I know, but it was like, it was just like the way that they said it was just so hot. <laughs> yeah. And then after um John's gay salad, second course, the chef described she had like a Caribbean background, so she. Oh, sorry, I don't know if it's she. Um, they served. Um, like this, like Caribbean flatbread with soft shell crab, and it had like this, like refreshing pea, some sort of like a component to it. And the soft shell crab was really good. Um, it was like a good balance of like chewy texture from the bread, and then crunchy from like the soft shell crab, which was also really juicy at the same time, along with like the um fresh pea. Chutney thingy? I don't know. I don't know how to describe that sauce, but it was, it was really good. The fact that you That's are impressive. doing all of this by memory is really impressive. I didn't get to eat everything, but I don't think mm-hmm. I would have been been able to just remember everything like that. Oh, so. When it comes to food, I remember everything I ate. That is very impressive. Well done. Yeah, confessions of a true fat ass. <laughs> she never forgets. <laughs> <laughs> Um, but surprisingly, this dish, um, a lot of the people didn't eat or, like, didn't even touch it at all. Why? Um, it looked amazing. I know. Who doesn't like soft-shell crab? I think that's what happens when you're a fit white gay. You make sacrifices, you know? Uh, so just at your table, though, that isn't to say that people in other tables didn't eat, I mean, right? I couldn't really see the other table. Right, okay. Uh, at least in my table, Makes like, sense. a lot of people, like, didn't even touch, like, the crab. They were just there to support, which, you know what? Work. If you're there to support, then yeah, a win's a win. Dinner, so, you know, like, show all the support. But if I'm going to a benefit dinner, also, if it's, like, a chef-driven thing, and because I don't have any food allergies, yeah, I will always try everything. Yeah. Like, I will try everything they, they put on the table down to, like, the condiments. I want to see, like, the chef's vision. Like, I want to go to the world that, like, the chef, like, created in their head, you know? Right, of course. And the chef that we were talking about that did this soft shell crab dish, she does go by she. And her name is Rashida Holmes. And she uh, has a pop-up concept called Bridgetown Roti. Mm. Yeah, her food was really good. In L.A. Yeah. In L.A.? All right. Yes. And then the next course was John's Soup. Yeah. The soup course was probably like the smallest course. We served them in these little tiny crystal like coops or chalices and it was really pretty. Um, It was like the liquid itself was kind of like a blue gray color. It was a Chinese white wood ear mushroom soup that was sweetened with dates and pear. And uh, so it is a sweet, it is a sweet soup. So I actually called it more along the lines of a tonic because I don't think, you know, Western audiences are used to having their soup be like sweet and fruity, even though like it's cooked like a soup. Um, I also cooked into the soup a whole bunch of barley to make it, uh, to make the liquid more like barley water, which was like nice and thick and creamy. 
And it was served cold because it was a hot day out. So it was a very cooling tonic. There was a lot of like cooling spices in there, like galangal and cardamom. And it was sweetened with uh, a little bit of rock sugar, but mostly just jujubes and pears. And yeah. And it was served over ice and had some like purple flowers on it. It was actually, it was really pretty. I took photos of it. They're on our Instagram or yeah, I think they're on our Instagram. And yes, uh, yes, I've only ever had it like um, Chinese hop up places when they have like a buffet line. And yeah. it's always like serving like a big fat. Yeah. And, but it's like the prettiest version of that dish that I've ever seen. Um, like a soft blue like color. And and after like the um, warm, crispy top shell crab, it was something you know, like refreshing to cleanse the palate. Yeah, I think a lot of the people, like, they've never, like, seen that dish before. Because mm. I feel like um, for, like, most Western culture, the only cold soup they know is, like, a gazpacho. Yeah. So a lot of people are commenting, like, oh, this is, like, really different. Oh, I'm glad. I'm glad they liked I I, I heard that it was very popular. I hope that, <laughs> well, that was true. Um, no, it was. Yeah. And it was, like, it was small portions, and it was pretty easy to eat as well. Uh Normally, that soup is more like a amber golden color, but I used butterfly pea blossoms to kind of like dye the mushrooms into white. Because you know how when you do hair, when you mm-hmm. bleach it and it's all brassy and yellow, you put in purple shampoo in your hair and it comes out white and platinum. That's mm-hmm. like how I got the idea to like bleach, quote unquote, these mushrooms so that they didn't come out yellow, but they came out like icy white. So they look more like, I don't know, crystal flowers than anything else. Yeah, I was pretty pleased with with that presentation. Yeah, add it to the menu. Yeah, sure. Why not? (laughs) Uh, So then after that, um, the next course was, it was really, really good. Oh my God. So it was like a polenta course and it was like a little block of like polenta cake. And then it had zucchinis and I believe like tomatoes and asparagus like sauteed together, sprinkled with like a good like briny feta. And the polenta cake was, it was like nice and firm, but it was also like super creamy. And I don't know what it was seasoned with, but it felt really flavorful. And after like the previous like soft like soup, it's like a nice little like textural moment because like the veggie like was cooked, but also they had like a little bite to it, so they weren't mushy. It was like a really successful course. And that one was cooked by Chef Krista Leduc. Um mm-hmm. and I actually like was had the honor of like helping her make that because I was making I was taking up the stove. <laughs> while she was making the polenta because I was next to my nice. soup. And so I was helping her stir it out. And it was like such a cool rustic polenta that she got. It was like fresh ground from a local farmer using local corn. So that's why the, the polenta was so good. And mm-hmm. like she put so much work into it. Like not only did, you know, she add, you know, water and butter to the polenta, but she added like, I think grilled vegetables to it too. So the vegetable water would cook out of the vegetables into the polenta. And then she, I think then she like put them, shaped them into cakes. They push, she put them into trays and then cut them up later. And then she like pan, I think they pan seared them afterwards. It was so pretty. And the, one of like the biggest things that I like regret not having been able to taste because I was just like working this thing. Um, but yeah, she was super cool. I really was glad I got to meet her. And also, I think it was probably the most like popular dish of the night because I think that truly was like a dish in flavor that like even if you're a pick eater, like you're gonna like this. Yeah, or and it was like, like special like dietary restriction. It was like right because it's like. Uh, it was gluten-free, it was vegan, I think it was vegan, vegetarian, well, that vegetarian because of butter, but then I mm-hmm. think she did make a vegan version, um, and it was just like summertime personified. It was so pretty. Yeah. Yeah. Who needs summertime sadness when you have summertime happiness with that polenta? Yeah. Mm-hmm. Summertime tomatoes. And then the um, next course was, it was like a Thai-inspired dish. Like the, um, but it was like a pork loin with like a super crispy skin. Mm. And then it had, um, some sort of like a, I think there was like some sort of like a braised green with that, if I remember correctly. 
And then she also served like a bowl of like little chilies on the side. Um, and funny story with the chilies. Um, the guy sitting left, left to me. I just passed him like the bowl of chilies, just like nonchalant, and he just took like a big bite out of the chili. No. <laughs> and I guess they were like super, super spicy. So he was like crying and like panting and gasping. And I'm like, whoops. I was just passing the condiments, yo. <laughs> but um, yeah, the chef instructed, you know, take a little bite of the chili and then eat the pork with it, which tasted really good. Yeah, that one was cooked by Tiffany Faison. Uh, she mm-hmm. has a couple, she has restaurants in Boston and she's like a finalist for James Beard Award like a whole bunch of times as well as having been on like TV. Uh, Damn. It was really badass to see her just bring in these like whole pigs in the kitchen and just mm-hmm. like butcher and debone them right there in front of everybody so fast too. It was awesome. And then she like took the entire pigs and just like put them into roll, like put seasoning on them and then put like a ginger scallion paste on them. And then she rolled them all up and then roasted them. Oh, it was so good. That one I actually got to have a couple of tastes of and I ate it with the sauce. It was delicious. It was really good. And another thing I noticed with this was um, a lot of people weren't eating the crispy skin part. Yeah, which brood? Just why would you? Why would you not? I don't. And I feel like Americans are conditioned to believe like fat is bad, but also like the threat of flavor is. Yeah, I know, and also like people need to get over the idea that fat is like bad for you. I mean, like sure it is. Yes, it it it's like having you can ha- easily have too much of it, but having a little bit of fat in your meal actually helps you feel fuller faster. Like there are tricks. I mean, like this is like, there are dietary tricks that if you have like a teaspoon of olive oil before you eat your, your food, like you'll eat less because your stomach reacts to feeling the fat in there. And it actually like contracts and like says, think makes you think you're more satisfied. So a little bit of fat, not only does it make your food delicious, but it also like, helps your body realizes that it is full. So don't be so afraid of it. It's not as bad as you think it is. You heard it here, folks. Don't be afraid (laughs) of the fats. Hashtag don't cancel fat. (laughs) Hashtag fats, we love you. Um, And then last course was like a dessert. Mm -hmm. And it was the chef's like modern take on like a tiramisu. Uh, And this was really, really good. Um... It was like, it was almost like a moussey, like a tiramisu mixture, but with like crispy like cakes on top. And then there was some sort of like an orange like compote thing in the middle. Um, and it was just sort of like a tiny amount, but that was like all you need because it was like very like decadent and rich. Mm. And it tasted like a really good tiramisu. That one was made by Elizabeth Faulkner. And she is, oh, she's on the James Beard Board of Trustees. Oh, damn. And is a master pastry chef. And she has a film coming out, um, coming out in August called Sorry We Close. And she told me about this. It was a film, pretty much a documentary film that documents the lives of, like, I think, chefs during the pandemic. So mm-hmm. that one's actually going to be really interesting. Okay. Yeah. So basically... um if you don't have some sort of like a James Beard association, don't even step from this kitchen. I mean, I don't have anything. <laughs> You've got your looks. Your pretty face. <laughs> oh, that's funny. Um, also, there was another person that was involved. His name is Nick Sharma, and he did all the appetizers. Oh, okay. I thought it was really funny that like all... Of the people. So obviously this entire roster for this dinner was mm-hmm. queer. And but all like the career cooks, the people who are in restaurants, still had restaurants, they were all lesbians. Nick Sharma is like a microbiologist who turned in who turned cook, who turned into cookbook author. So like the two gay guys were both food media. while like the hardcore back of house cooks were all lesbians and sometimes the jokes really do write themselves Uh, (laughs) i didn't see these appetizers were they like past apps yeah they were past apps i think they were coming out in front so the ones that were 
I don't remember them either. Uh, I know there was like a samosa pie, I think. What? Okay. Yeah, actually, I'm surprised you didn't say anything about it because they were like very, very South Asian. Somehow these appetizers never weighed their meat. Like they never made its weight to me. They might have just run out before you even got there. (sighs) But like, yeah, I remember. flavors that I missed out on. I know there were. And like, the thing is like, I remember them cooking. Cause like there was one chef, um, one of the cooks was making the chana masala to put into these samosa pies and it smelled amazing. Oh, I love chana masala. Mm-hmm. That's chickpea curry, I think. Yes. 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 Me want chana. Me yeah. want. <laughs> Anyways. But so, so the whole premise of like this benefit dinner was um, they're raising money because they're trying to start the world's first queer food festival. Mm-hmm. Which yes. is really cool. Yeah. Um, and if you think about it, I mean, like, queer people, gay people have been in all aspects of food throughout its entire history. Whether it not be, like, you know, people who work front of house and then people who work back of house. We're all involved in it. And we have so many people that are involved throughout, like, the entire course of it. And I'm sure they're going to do stuff like do stuff for like scholarship opportunities to send aspiring cooks to like good restaurants and stuff. So hopefully this does really well. And if you want to learn more about it, you can go onto their Instagram and search for Big Queer Food Fest. Damn, this whole podcast feels like a giant um, product placement, but we are not paid or sponsored. No, we're not Um, paid at all. No, no. Just sharing our experience. Yeah. That's what it was. For free. Let's take a break. Now, let's keep talking. And just like that, we're back. Hello. So, John, uh, since coming back home from LA, what have you been doing all week? Um, There was a TED conference that focused on climate change that was in the city of Detroit. And I was invited to uh, not participate, but I was, I was invited to attend all of like the conference programming, but like these programmings are, the programming is intense. They fly people from all around the world. So there were like probably like thousands of people in Detroit and uh, the program was the first TED talk would start at like nine and then, like, the last event, which usually was, like, a dinner or, like, a dinner talking conversation thing, it ended at 10 p.m. And I think there were what? two, like, yeah, there were two, like, maybe half an hour to 45-minute breaks in there. And you had to be there all day? Yeah. Um, well, no, you got to pick and choose with, like, if you could be there all day. Mm-hmm. Um, but I couldn't because... Unlike those folks who like pretty much are just here and have a hotel room and stuff like that. Like I had still my regular life to live. Little John was out of town. So I wanted to make sure that the dogs were taken care of. I walked them like poor Boba had to be in the crate for a little bit longer than she was used to. So to balance that out, I took her out on walks like three times a day around the block so she could go to the bathroom. So I would come back and make sure she got her exercise and got her tired enough so that she would go to the crate by herself. Mm. Um, So I just, you know, it was between that, working out in the morning, going to the conferences, taking care of the dogs, and then going back to the conferences, and then coming home late at night and passing out. But I learned a lot. It was literally work gym travel. It was work with gym bus club, another club, no sleep, uh, conference. But yeah, uh, because I do sustainability messaging in my YouTube videos where I talk about getting rid of gas stoves and reducing food waste, they I get invited to a lot of these types of meetings a lot by YouTube. So shout out YouTube. Thank you very much. I, I do like being a part of these. So um, do they know that yeah. you don't even recycle? I recycle. I actually I'm have... Kidding, I'm kidding. I'm kidding. You're... What are you? I have an extra recycling bin. Do they know that you throw food away? Uh, into the mouths of my puppies. Yes. <laughs> I feed my dogs. So, yeah, it was cool. I got to meet some really cool, like, climate, some, uh, climate scientists. But there were also a lot of corporate people there, too. Um, I met, like, I met, like, the media head for Mars Corporation. Oh, like the candy like, bar Mars? Like candy bar Mars, like... like 
all the stuff that Mars owns. Um, mm-hmm. He was really cool. I taught him how to use TikTok. <laughs> so, yeah. So there were seminars, there were meetings and stuff, and I met some really cool people. I met with one guy. Um, he is a... Oh, I forgot what his title was. Impact. I don't want to say like impact specialist. I know it's like impact is in his title, but he is from the Amazon region. And it was just like, it was just really cool to meet people from all around the world who do really cool stuff. And he had, he has a documentary on uh, Disney plus right now. Yeah. Sounds like a fun time. Yeah. It was, but really stressful. Did they even like feed you at these like conferences? Yes. And it was all vegetarian and vegan because that is aligned with the climate messaging, which I mm-hmm. get. And I do, I, I respect the fact that it was, um, it's probably, it's not easy to feed all these people, all these different cultures with all these dietary restrictions in like big, uh, in big, um, groups like this Mm -hmm. but i think that i think the weakest part of it was probably the food because detroit is such a good food hub we have a lot of really good restaurants we have a lot of great produce there were just some things in in the menu that was like okay this is fine and then like their version of a vegan coney dog was just the least okay thing also i've never tasted i've tried so many of those like vegan hot dogs no hot dog can replace the sensation of a meat hot dog, no matter how hard they try. It's true, and it wasn't even that though. But because coney dogs are are like a chili dog with onions and mustard, mm-hmm. um, with a specialized chili, f- sure. But like vegan chili is like the easiest thing ever, mm-hmm. and so these coney dogs had like loose beans on them and liquid. It was just not. Oh, no. It was not it. It was not it. Unfortunately, like the texture of like a ground beef, and then it's all about the spices. Right, and which you could get some impossible beef. Maybe they were confined by budget or time or whatnot. And mm-hmm. I don't like to be a person who is hypercritical of other people's food, um, no matter what the setting. But because they chose a very iconic Detroit dish to represent this event in Detroit to a bunch of people who are not from Detroit, I felt like, oh, I felt misrepresented as a Detroiter on what these... Because I've had vegan conies and... They can be good. They can be pretty good. Um, and this one wasn't it. Also, there was a tofu slider where I bit into it. It was just a block of tofu. Like not seasoned or anything? It was just like tofu? It was seasoned on the outside, but like the tofu was so thick that it was still like stark white in the middle. Mm. I mean, I love like a plain tofu, but like if it's going to be like a sandwich form, it needs to be like more seasoned because like the bread alone. It needs to be marinated, it needs to be sauced, mm-hmm. it needs to be seared, it needs to be heavily sauced, I think. Maybe some pickles. There were pickles in there. Granted, it was tasty, but you know, I'm I'm nitpicking now. And that's one thing, um, a lot of my Western friends, like, I wish I could teach them like the joy of like uh, plain tofu. Yes. Like, that is so can be so good, uh, like, so good. I remember in Korea, um, you know, you just go to like a specialty like tofu store, like in your neighborhood, and you get like the fresh tofu, like freshly made, and it's like hot and warm, and you can just like eat it straight up, and you get like the subtle like earthy, nutty soy flavor, and it's like a warm hug like, in your mouth. And that's the thing, though, because most people or not most, but a lot of people in the United States have such a terrible first experience with tofu that they just like Mm -hmm. are turned off by it in general for like the rest of their times uh, eating tofu. So even if they come across good tofu afterwards, they're just like, I can't get over the taste. I can't get over the texture. But it's like, if you just, if you've never had tofu, don't just go to some like slap happy cheap vegetarian or vegan um, meat replacement dish. Like go to some, go to somewhere where they like serve tofu for the ser- sake of serving tofu. Or just there might be meat Asian in it. restaurant. Any Asian restaurant. And I won't even say like any, like 
I, I don't know. I grew up around Chinese dishes all my life. Tofu was something that I still had to get used to, but there was just like some dishes that were like big hits for me. Something you get used to? Yeah. What? Yeah. There was, there was something about, when I was younger, there was something about the, um, I could taste the, whatever it was, the chemical uh, that they processed the tofu with. And that was like a turnoff for me because tofu had so little flavor. And so like, I had to like get over that and then learn to love it. Tofu growing up. I've had pretty good tofu growing up. But you just described as no flavor. Really good tofu has good flavor. No, when you're little, when you're little, when you're younger, your taste buds are different and you're attuned to different things. I was very much a person who liked my sweets when I was little. I don't know, when I was young, sometimes my mom would just like take plain tofu and like put soy sauce on it and then that's all we eat. But like it was delicious. No, that was not, I, could, I wasn't into it. I wasn't into just that. I was, I think I learned to like tofu younger in my younger years with Mapo tofu. Mm, mapo tofu is good. Yes, yeah, so I didn't discover Mapo tofu until like later in my life. Mm-hmm. And then also, um, the first time I had Mapo tofu, I actually didn't like it because it was like, uh, Kanto style, like mapo tofu, and it was, it was more not like, spicy, not spicy, and it was like more sweet. And I was like, mm, I didn't know about all these, it's too sweet, too sweet. Yeah, um, but then I had the Szechuan style mapo tofu, and I'm like, I like something in me like had awakened, <laughs> like the entire just earth like split open, and I was like dropped from like below, and I was like introduced to a new burning sensation that I didn't know was one possible. that was in your mouth this time. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and the mapo tofu is such a good dish because like the silky smooth tofu with like mm-hmm. the little like ground meat, like which is juicy. And then every now and then you get a bite of like that scallion, you know, which like yeah. keeps the dish like with fresh. That oniony, ga- grassy, I was going to mm-hmm. say gassy, but grassy like tones, very nice. And serve on top of like a fluffy, fragrant jasmine rice. Mm-hmm. I think to this day, mapo tofu, I can confidently say it's probably my favorite Chinese dish. Um, do you think mapo tofu is popular with Koreans in general just because of the different flavor profiles of mapo tofu? Like, is it similar to spicy Korean food in a way that's familiar or is it just like, or is it completely different? I mean, mala was, like, not a thing in Korea like, until recently. Like, mala is, like, super trendy right now in Korea. Oh, nice. But um, Like, I think, like, the version of, like, mapo tofu you get, like, where, like, or at least previously, like, the mala flavors weren't that strong. Mm-hmm. Um, but I feel like, yeah, a lot of, like, the mapo tofu, like, found in Korea is more, like, Kanto style. Really? Mm-hmm. That's surprising. Are there a lot of Cantonese people in Korea? Or like, are most of the Chinese people in Korea Cantonese? I don't know, actually. A lot of the Korean people have, like, trouble with spices. Like, spices, like, that aren't, like, native spices, to Korea. Spices, not spicy. Not spicy. Spices. Mm-hmm. So, and like, Szechuan, flavors like... Like the, like the Szechuan peppercorn and things like that. Um, yeah. Like, yeah, a lot of Korean people, like, don't... In- not like they don't enjoy it, but like it's not it's not like familiar every to day to them. Yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. So, yeah, but it's also kind of crazy, like how mala became like such like a big trendy food in Korea mm-hmm. now. Like, I mean, know, it got pretty popular here in the states too. Like mala shangwa. I don't know if I pronounced it correctly. Well, in Korea, mala shangwa, mala, Ma- um, Ma- mala fruit. No, like the dry pot. Oh, okay. <laughs> um, so, like, whereas previously, you know, like, girls, like, after, like, high school's over, like, they'd go eat, like, tteokbokki. But now, uh-huh. like, they all go to eat, like, um, mala dry pots together. Oh. And there's, like, mala dry pot places, like, everywhere in Korea. I think my only dry pot experience was in New York with mala project. They have dry pots there. Oh, so you've never gone to the one where you pick all the ingredients and the meat? No. And then they like stir fry it for you and then bring it to no. your table? No. 
What? I've never done that. Yeah. Okay. Well, next time you come to LA, which is in a couple of weeks, mm-hmm. we are going to do that. Yeah. What? So is just someone else stir frying some stuff for you? So basically, they weigh it by pound, and it's like charged mm-hmm. by pound. Mm-hmm. And they have like a buffet line of all the ingredients. And uh-huh. so basically, you pick a pot, you put in all the ingredients, and there's, you know, like bamboo shoots, um, tofu skins, like beef, lamb, like fish balls, spam, um, like anything, and a bunch of vegetables you can imagine. Mm-hmm. Um, noodles. And yeah, they take it and they like stir fry it with like mild spices. Like really spicy. Oh, I'd try that. But I also, that also sounds like something I would just make for myself. But I'm, yeah, I'm just saying, like, this like the dish, like, this like, so trendy yeah. popular in Korea right now. Interesting. Okay, let's go. When we, when I, when I come over there for yeah. your birthday, are you excited? For my birthday, yes, I'm very excited. Very excited to get older. Was it hard for you to, like, accept the fact that you're, you're finally considered an old person now? I feel very attacked. Whatever. The kids on TikTok think 30 is old. Mm. That's true. Literally, like, these kids are, like, crying, age 29, crying on video about turning 30. And I just want that. turning 40? (sighs) I'll cry. I'll I'll do a crying video. (laughs) No, I mean, like, I don't know. Like, I don't notice anything. Mm-hmm. If anything, I get bored more easily. Mm. That might be like the biggest difference that I have between like 20, 30, and 40, where it's like, yeah, we can go out. Let's go home. Like, I'm, I just get bored so much. And I have like less of a tolerance for things I don't like. Mm-hmm. And that would probably be like the big, biggest like difference of all the decades that I've been through at this point at this point <laughs> at this point at this point can you imagine like how like i'm 60 years old i just like don't give even less of a fuck have you used the age filter uh the one that everyone's using on tiktok right now no yeah oh it is oof. it was rough with me i looked like a tree also have you ever used the um like the younger filter uh, yeah, that one didn't really do much. I feel like it just like blurred out my skin. It blurred out my skin and it darkened my eyebrows and that was it. So I was like, maybe yeah. I should get microblading. Oh. If that's all it takes to look younger. <laughs> <laughs> well, you should have oh. try to fill your brows that... in like with makeup and see how you like it. Oh, yeah. Do you have any? I might. You know, <laughs> do you have any specific... There we go. Kim, not Kim Browley. Yes, Kim Browley. <laughs> Get it? Yeah, yeah I, think, I think we got it. But that, that reminds me, I want to <laughs> ask you something. Should I cut my hair short again to oh, this? Summer, I'm sending, absolutely. I'm sending you the text. I think this was me last year or two years ago. Oh, no, no, just like prison haircut. Yeah, like short, short. Oh, uh, maybe not that short. But like just slightly longer than, a slightly longer version of that? Like this haircut is very like, um, and for the listeners that can't like see this picture, um, you look like um, that main character from Slam Dunk. Oh, the the really old school manga? Yeah. I'm looking it up. Uh, he has red hair. Yeah, um, but look at the haircut. It's like a pompadour. It looks nothing like that hair I sent you. I don't think you're looking at the right photo. Oh, they redid it. Oh, I see, I see. Yeah, 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 it is kind of like that. Yeah. Yeah, you don't like it? I don't know, you know, I want you to do whatever makes you happy. If this haircut is what's going to make you happy, I want you to live your life to the fullest. That is such a long and roundabout way of saying, if you like it, I love it. 
Yeah, if you like it, I love it. <laughs> Let's move on. No, 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 do it. <laughs> do it, you coward. I just like, I miss rolling out of bed and not having to do anything with my hair. Mm. You don't want to. What's that like? The... <laughs> you don't want the, um, the K drama haircut. What's the K drama haircut? Okay, so when you cut it and don't style mm-hmm. it, it almost looks like a bowl cut. But it's actually a very versatile haircut. You can like slick it back or like part it to the side or I'm looking up K drama haircut male. I sent you a picture. Oh. Um and it is Oh, I d- see the thing is with this, this was definitely my hair in like when I was in high school and I just don't All the and I feel like I'm like haircut now. So yeah, so the curtains with the little peak in the middle, that hair. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah, I feel like you can't be 40 with that haircut. Yeah, you can. I think middle parts at 40 are creepy. But you're not going to part in the middle. You can style it many ways. Yeah. You get it cut it like that, but then you like... You can like slick yeah. it up or you can like... Yeah, I also like think because my head is so big that that would just make my head look enormous because it's so poofy. Mm. Well, whatever happens, you sleep better at night. I mean, obviously, all the photos that you sent me of these guys are very, very attractive, and they have fantastic hair. It's, just it's the same person, not all these guys. <laughs> huh? Oh, I'm looking person. on. Um, I'm looking on. On Google, actually. That was, mm-hmm. that was Google. But anyways, maybe, maybe. I do like the Asian hairstyles on men, like in, that come from Asia more than the ones mm-hmm. that are like local here. <coughs> I was going to say, why do you hate Asians? I, do, I don't. <laughs> I was saying we have great hair. So anyways, yeah. Well, again, do what makes you happy. You got one life to live. I want you to do you to the fullest. Because no one else can do you except for you. <laughs> All right, let's move on. Anyways. <laughs> Milo, next time you're in L.A., let's do it. Mm-hmm. Yes. Yeah, 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 yeah. Yeah. Well, you got anything else to add? No, it's all been me this this episode. What about you? I've been talking this entire time. You have been talking, but you've been you've been you've been you've been um, weighing in this entire time. Well, I got a lot of things. To, I got a lot of feelings. I got a lot of things to say. Um, and that is that um, I haven't done anything interesting this week. <laughs> <laughs> Not since I've left. I mean, I've just lived my. Day life, going to the gym, mm-hmm. grabbing like lunch or dinner with friends. Mm. Did we ever uh, talk about Olivia? Olivia? Oh, uh, I don't think so. The restaurant? Um. So, if anyone that has never heard of Olivia, it is a vegan uh, pizza restaurant. But hear me out. Also, vegetarian out. stuff. Yeah. Well, yeah. I feel like vegetarian is a given when you say vegan. Mm, it's not really. Okay, excuse me. It is a vegan slash vegetarian restaurant, but hear me out. I'm a meat eater, and when you eat the food here, it is so good that you're not even thinking about meat. And I'm not paid. I'm not sponsored. Um, And in Cape Town, you know, you get a lot of Korean restaurants, and there's like a lot of key barbecue. So this is almost like a really like fresh oasis that this restaurant is even in Cape Town. Um, mm-hmm. but they're okay. This is someone like who doesn't even like pizza, and their pizzas are delicious. The crust is so good, mm-hmm. admittedly. It's like you know, you get the little burnt piece, but it's like crispy, but then it's also like chewy and soft in the middle. Mm-hmm. You yeah. know, all the toppings are delicious. Like all these, like 
cheeses that make in the house um, that are dairy free, and then they also have and their fried ones olives too. are really good too. Yeah, if you don't like olives, you need to at least like taste it. And we got to um, share that meal with a Korean vegan. Yeah, who was already a fan of that restaurant. Mm-hmm. That restaurant has our sign off and hers as well. Yeah. So I highly recommend anyone that is into vegan vegetarian food to go try Olivia in Cape Town. It is mm-hmm. so good. And they're all their salads are super fabulous. Um, they really know how to, excuse me for my cheesy description, but they really know how to celebrate vegetables really well without feel like they're like forcing veggies down your throat, if that makes any sense. Yeah. No, I mean, it's, it's a very cool restaurant. The flavors are really like, they're, beautiful and tasty. Um, but it doesn't feel like you're missing out on anything by eating there, I should mm-hmm. say. So yeah, give it a try if you're out in K-Town. Um, I got to eat, oh, what was that place that I ate with the sandwiches? What open was that place market? called? Open Market. Yeah, I got to eat at Open Market in LA. And that was really good. Although I th- was told that I ordered the wrong sandwich. <laughs> by who i had i had the hainan chicken salad sandwich and they and somebody said that that was their least favorite but i liked it they gave you like a hainan chicken salad it was, it was a chicken salad with like hainanese like flavors in it and then they gave you like the broth so you could like use it as almost like a dip so i would dip my chicken salad into like the super chicken broth and then eat it that way it was really good and then my manager who went had the pork chop sandwich and that was really good my favorite thing from um, Open Market are Turkish eggs, which yeah. I've never had um, until I've had it there. But it is like, um, they take like um, really thick yogurt, but the yogurt is like really garlicky. And they mm-hmm. top it with two poached eggs and a ton of dill. And then it's drizzled with a chili oil. And then they give you like a really crusty sourdough to like dip it in. So then like... This like creamy yolky egg, like mixed with these garlicky, dilly, like yogurt is like super tangy and delicious. I think this was one of the first dishes you talked about in our podcast. Really? Yeah. All right. I'm wrecking. Right, I'm, right, I'm remembering. Right. <laughs> Which it's been a while since I've talked about it. About Turkish eggs. Turkish eggs, yeah. Um, we'll have to make some. It doesn't seem hard. No, I feel like it would be very easy. Mm. Do you have anything interesting coming up? I'm going to be on Work the World for Asia and Australia in oh, when are you August, like September-ish. Oh, um, who's watching Butter? Oh, uh, that is yet to be determined. Okay. Send her well, over to Detroit. To, you come to um, LA and pick Butter up. <laughs> <laughs> oh my God, I can't uh, imagine how Butter would even react to your dogs. I know. I I think she would like. I think they would get along. I think they'll get along too. Yeah. But um, you know, just a bunch of squish faces hanging out with each other. Well, pit bulls and their lockjaw is like what I'm scared of. What lockjaw? Pit bulls and their lockjaw. What does that mean? Like once they bite, they don't let go, right? I've I don't know. I've never been bitten by one. Mm, not yet. Nah. It'll. It, they wouldn't bite butter. No. Butter would I don't know. Bully Your them. dog was really scary last time I was there. No, she wasn't. Well, no, she had she it out for you. outside <laughs> my bedroom door all night long. <laughs> you were in her room. <laughs> we you didn't know that that was room. happening. Yeah, we didn't know that that was happening. We would have totally, like, taken her at that point. But, yeah. Um, <laughs> but she didn't bite you. I was she like just shivering, you. like, Mommy, I want to go home. <laughs> well, that is all the time we have for today. If you like what you heard, like, subscribe, share. Otherwise, you're a fucking hater. <laughs>